0: Hello, and welcome to another amazing episode of Unstoppable Rise, a resource that helps motivate individuals press on towards the mark of self-actualization, using a combination of old-school wisdom and new breed tactics to help achieve this end. I'm your host, Sim, and today we're going to be talking about Competition Today we're going to be talking about how to compete and I think this topic is pretty relevant especially with large numbers of guys that are unemployed and people who will be looking to get back into work sometime in the next couple of months or guys that have just graduated this past year and the ones that will graduate in 2021, the coming year. So I'd say knowing about this and knowing about competition is pretty essential. So as a disclaimer, I just want to say I did not come up with these concepts. I'm not that smart. (laughs) But a lot of these are basically concepts from uh, psychology, if you want to call it that. The entire umbrella of psychology, which includes behavioral economics, interpersonal relationships, and... um, Game theory, the art and science of how humans make decisions and operate in any given environment. So, yeah, this entire thing, I would say just take it as a mental model for life and not an exact one-to-one replica. So with that disclaimer, let's go ahead and dive in. So right off the bat, when you say the word competition, like, it's a competition... This is a competition, whatever is a competition Many people have an image in their minds of what that is People know sports are a competition, that's sort of a duh thing But when you say life is a competition, some people just aren't too happy about that You know, reducing life to a dimension of this thing called competition You know, it seems pretty Darwinistic And we're past that, right? You know? After all, we are civilized human beings who live in this modern, enlightened society, and there's enough to go around for everyone. You know, we're not savages. We're not not primitive people. So we can just sort of get rid of this notion of competition. Well, you're entitled to think whatever you want, but if you want to understand the root of competition and why some people believe that life is a competition... You need to realize that a lot of your life will be spent trying to acquire resources, especially if you're a man. That's just what it is. I mean, life is a game of resources. So think back to our ancestors. Most of their existence was centered around resource acquisition, getting food, shelter, mates. It was just survival. It was just a scarce environment. You need to acquire all the resources so that you and your family could survive. But fast forward a couple thousands of years, we have a lot of abundance in the world, and nothing has really changed. It's just that competition that's taken a new guise. And it's funny, the people who try to tell you that competition doesn't exist will be the first ones to take advantage of it. Why is that? It's because they're trying to take you out the game. And this is the reason why uh, communism doesn't work, by the way. It's because communism tries and fails to artificially remove this notion of competition. Every communist country that's existed on Earth has been an absolute failure. And you'll need to take my word for it. Just look in the history books. And even China, a so-called quote-unquote communist country, isn't really communist. It's really a capitalistic society. And if you don't believe me, take a visit to Beijing or Shanghai one day. So it's clear that everyone's trying to live life. And in living life, you acquire resources. And during that acquisition of resources, you you come into a contest with other people who also want those resources. And... This gives rise to competition. So this is where we begin. So when we talk about competition, we really need to be clear on the type of competition we're talking about and the area we are competing in. And in my mind, there's only two types of competition. You have outer competition and inner competition. Very simple and very simply stated, Outer competition is the competition you have with others And inner competition is the competition you have with yourself And I'll get to what these are pretty soon But because people don't know about these types of competitions It's completely possible In fact, it's almost inevitable to be competing in not only the wrong area But also using the wrong type of competition in that area So you have a double mismatch And that only wastes time, energy, energy And a lot of effort. You spend all your life spinning your wheels. And you realize it's because you are using the wrong competition. And you are competing in the wrong areas. And you see this all the time with parents and even teachers who very well may mean well. But they aren't really preparing kids for competition. Real life competition in life. So I'm a kid of the 90s. And I'm pretty sure many of you are. And this is known as the participation trophy generation, as in you get a prize for just showing up right off the bat. I think the intention behind these things are good, even great. Giving these things to kids can make them feel good and even boost their self-esteem a little bit. But what does this do over the long term? Over the long term, I believe this conditions children to expect a prize for just showing up. And eventually children become adults, and if this conditioning is not challenged, it's just going to perpetuate. So after several years of being conditioned this way, what happens when someone meets a real challenge and they don't get awarded for simply showing up? Because in life, showing up means that you just rolled up to the starting line. The race hasn't begun, and you still need to win the race. But back to competition. Outer competition. What is it? I would more describe outer competition as any area where there's a marketplace of people or things. This is what people typically think of when they refer to as quote-unquote competition. And this is easy to see. This is the realm of companies battling out for market share. This is sports and any man-to-man competition. And without a competition being a marketplace, every entrant in that marketplace is compared with every other entrant in that marketplace or niche. Many times on purely objective measures, not 100 percent, definitely not 100 percent. There are obviously a fair degree of subjectivity when it comes to, um, quote unquote, competition, uh, like when it comes to an answer to the question of what is better, but objectively. It doesn't take rocket science to know that LeBron James is a better basketball player than someone on a Division Three college team. I mean, it just doesn't take a lot of mental rationalization to do that. Uh, for example, speaking of basketball, I knew someone that had a pretty good shot at making it to the NBA. In fact, myself and everyone around this person thought he was just going to turn pro. He set records for both his high school and college teams, being known as one of, if not the highest scoring athlete in the school, both of those schools. Um, but the problem is, he's only 5'11 on a good day. 5'11 is obviously taller than the average male height in many places in the world. But if you're competing with people who are 6'4 and up, they will just going to make you look like a like a junior. Therefore, you just get disqualified because you racked the raw base for competing. And this is precisely why we have men's and women's sports. Men and women are built differently, so therefore they have different standards for competition. So I think that one's pretty obvious, but here's another one. Work, which is pretty relevant for these times. Getting a job, applying to jobs, etc., etc. In a job application, in this job market, but... Applying for a job specifically, you will be compared with every other applicant who applied for that job. If you apply to a job that had ten people uh, that applied for it, you're going to be compared with those ten people. If you apply to a job with a hundred applicants, you're compared with the other ninety-nine. Whether you get that job will be a combination of skill, company fit, and what the company needs at the time. Again, those subjective needs, but. What's the reality? The reality is, I mean, only one person's getting that job. And if you get the job, you've won what is called a zero-sum game. Meaning, in this type of competition, there's only one winner and however many, quote-unquote, losers. In this case, the competition is a job position. You got the job, and which means that you get the financial, social... ...whatever rewards that come with it... ...and the other 99... ...or however many applicants just don't... ...because they don't have that job. So, um, Many games in life... ...are zero-sum. Like, for example... ...ranking a website on the first page... ...of a search engine is zero-sum. You can't have two sites... ...at the same position. If you go up... ...someone else must go down. If you become number 10 on the search engine page... Someone else has to become number 11. Um, In this case, the difference between differing positions on the search engine page can mean thousands of dollars over a certain period of time. And the difference between being on the first page versus the second page is nine-day. I'll ask you, do you click on the second page of Google? Another example, Dating. Oh, you don't think dating is a competition? But what is dating really? Dating is a process where two people bring their best. Think about the first date you had with somebody. You dress well, they dress well. You showed your best side, they showed their best side. And with dating, especially for men, it's pretty much a competition. So, this one example. Let's say you like a woman. Awesome. Chances are, you aren't the only one that likes her. It could be a chance that four, five, six other guys also like her as well. And it's very likely that is the case. In that case, you are being compared with the other people who are actively showing her interest, or the guy she's interested in. And when it comes to dating, there's a lot of subjectivity, um, obviously. But let's be honest. There's a lot of objective measures of attractiveness, looks being one of them. But someone who is confident, not easily rattled, assertive, and has some sense of style will just be more attractive to more people than not. I mean, this is pretty pretty much common sense, but uh, you know, common sense is not so common. So you bring your best in that scenario, and you'll be judged on your best. It's like going to any a- Thing that has the first impression, whether it be a networking event, a job interview, or whatever. So, But regardless, in all these situations, there is inevitable rejection. I mean, you can't win it all, right? But I do want to say something real quick about rejection, and this is sort of a nuanced point. Um, Rejection can't be a sign that you're doing something right And it can also be a sign that you're doing something wrong at the same time Um, But you can only analyze this if you have data Like what is the data set that you're working from Like if you've only been rejected twice From anything That's just not enough data If you've been rejected like 20 times Then you have more data to optimize your efforts from For example, if you apply to 75 jobs and none of them call you back, there's a good chance that something is wrong. If you ask 20 women for a number and they give it to you and none of them text you back, there's a good chance that something is wrong. But this data, this informational sorting, you're not going to get it if you rely on what is called false metrics, which is something else I'll also get to later. But in the meantime, let's get to the other dimension of competition, which is inner competition. Inner competition. This is honestly where it all starts. It's the area that matters the most, and the area you have the most control over. However, it's also the area that's also the most neglected. Inner competition is the realm of self-development, and it's also known as inner game, which I wrote an article on the other week. I'll link to it in the description. And if you can't compete on an internal level, you're just not going to make it. Right? So what is inner competition? Well, I'd say inner competition is the competition of your highest, most ideal self against the various sub-personalities you have. And this is the realm of psychology. And what is life but psychology? Self-discipline, self-control, valuable skills, all that. All that comes from winning the inner game and inner competition. And winning this inner competition allows you to compete on the outer level. Inner game, inner competition is the engine of life. And this is why psychotherapy is a multi-billion dollar field and is only growing. And to be honest, inner competition is probably 80-90% to 90% of your life. If you can get yourself in order, manage your emotions, manage your state, manage your day-to-day, you're, you're, you're going to get pretty far. Uh, many people don't have their shit together, and when it comes to their outer life, they may get pretty far, but then they just end up hitting a ceiling. And they'll continue to hit that ceiling until this inner area, this inner problem is sorted out. But what makes inner competition so hard? Well, it's like fighting against shadows. Remember, this is psychology. This is an area that's very intangible and hidden to most people. Many people just haven't developed a competent tool set to compensate and compete in the realm of psychology. You can't buy a better state of mind. And it's just like David Goggins said, your mind has the tactical advantage over you. It knows every weapon you have in your back pocket. You can't outsmart it. So, if you have or have had an addiction, then you know what I'm talking about. Even if you never have, we all have that inner darker voice. And all of us have some degree of an addiction or have had some degree of an addiction. So, I'm pretty sure this is relatable to many. But... In someone who is very addicted to something, especially something that is very uh, stimulating and provides a lot of quote-unquote needs for this person, uh, this addict voice will be intensified. You have quote-unquote you, and then you have your addict, which is one of your sub-personalities. And again, that sub-personality is uh, very present. In your psychology, if you're an addict. And that personality um, just comes out of the background when you're feeling weak, when you're feeling deprived, or when you're in a low emotional state. And it's like you're wounded and helpless, and it's just come to finish you off. And that addict self will try to seduce you, it will bully you, it will threaten you, it will lie to you. Who use your past against you It will do anything it can do to get its fix of whatever it is And the most fucked up part is that It sounds just like you It sounds exactly like your rational self When you're doing a dialogue in your head In the haze of your distressed thoughts and feelings It will sound and appear exactly like you if you have an addiction, God help you if you've stayed away from whatever it is for a certain period of time. You may have gone to counseling, gone to rehab, talked with friends, talked with your pastor, done all these things, right? All these things you've done to suppress this addiction, to get rid of this addiction. And you think you're out of the clear and you're like, yeah, I've got this under control. I've got this, got this under wraps. Yes, finally. Then something happens. Boom relapse. It's like the addict self was just waiting for the vulnerability. It's like you're running and running and running and running and you're almost in a clear. Nope, you get lassoed and then you get dragged back into the shadows. To take this even further, this is what Eckhart Tolle calls a pain body. Uh, Basically, a pain body is an addictive energy state addictive negative energy state that's integrated into your consciousness and is only activated when it's triggered like a ravenous beast that lays dormant and waits for the opportune time to strike it's not going to strike when things are going good when everything's going good that's when it's at its most weak because you know it's not going to be able to stand up to the strength of good feelings and this pain body usually comes from some event in childhood or adolescence that wasn't processed emotionally and then it becomes like an emotional energy residue like for example your parents uh they weren't there or they broke up or you got bullied at school or you got abused or uh you were neglected or you experienced some type of trauma or some type of event happened and you just cover it up and suppress it then it just becomes this shadow energy so, we all have something that happened to us in our lives. It may not even be a big event, but this creates some sort of pain body because especially when you're a adolescent, young adult, you take everything personally. So, this becomes a personal attack on you and you internalize that as something that happened to you. Uh, so, if this pain body is not faced it's going to be activated by some trigger and this trigger will cause us to lose our minds and get involved in a negative emotional state for hours and some people even days right many times the person who will trigger the pain body will be of someone who's close to you like your girlfriend or your parents or even a close friend and if you've ever gotten to a massive fight with any of these people, then you know how emotionally dead you feel afterwards, like all your juice was sucked out of you. Or this is the addict person, the person who goes and relapse and goes on a binge bender on whatever substance or behavior. And this is some pretty dark stuff, but this is why people in ancient cultures used to refer to addiction as a demon because there's no logical reason for it. The person just gets consumed by it. So, with the pain body, some people have a "quote unquote" pain body that's so dense that it's overtaken their entire personal, entire personality, and they are the pain body. It's uh, really frightening stuff. But that's why we do personal development. We do this work to live our lives in a more harmonious fashion. So we can win where it counts. This is why we put ourselves in the forge. The psychological uh, cloister. So we can come out with an artifact that we can use in the competition of life. The inner and outer game of life. So yeah. um, Let's get on to some ways to implement both inner and outer competition. So for the first one I would say is don't play the wrong games. You just don't do them. And as I said before, it's easy. It's pretty much the default to use irrelevant data to determine how you should be competing. And many places, it'll prepare people for competing in the world because it teaches them and socializes them to play the wrong games. The reality is that you can spend years, even decades of your life, playing the wrong games and competing on the wrong arenas. So I remember when I was 17 and I was talking with a friend of mine. And we were talking about social media back then social media wasn't nearly as big as it is now this was over a decade ago this is probably about 11 12 years ago yeah um yeah so social media at that point quote unquote social media <laughs> was pretty much MySpace or Facebook. MySpace was fading out at the time. I didn't have a MySpace. I only joined Facebook uh, about two years prior. um, And I never had a MySpace. So Facebook was the only social media I had. And there was no Instagram. There was no Snapchat. There was no TikTok. Um, Twitter, I think, was around. But, you know, Twitter wasn't anywhere near as big as it is now. Um, And social media was pretty much just... There wasn't even really... A concept called social media. It was just Facebook, or they called it "quote unquote" social social networking back then. It wasn't this thing called social media. But anyway, I remember just telling him that Facebook is a game that you don't want to play because at seventeen, I knew that social media is virtually all false metrics, like. Oh my God, so-and-so went on this vacation, they did this, they bought this house, they got this job, they live here, they bought this, they um, got this new car, they have this amount of followers, so-and-so-and-so-and-so. So society will tell you you need to compare and even compete with other people when it comes to these things. And this is an accelerated version of Keep Me Up With The Joneses. A consumeristic Vapid version of Keeping Up With The Joneses But what's the reality? The reality is That no one shows their dirty laundry On social media No one tells you their marriage is on the rocks No one tells you that they Paid for their vacation With a credit card No one tells you that their parents literally bought their house No one tells you that their uncle Is the executive vice president of the company Where they got the job Hell, their followers might not even be real people. There are lots of people out there who buy followers. So this thing is all an illusion. It's not real. It's not a real game. Another game would be celebrity culture. Keeping up with celebrities, seeing what they're doing. Lots of people are invested in the lives of celebrities and vloggers and whatnot. Why does it matter if you know so and so is doing so and so. How is that helping you in any way? Another game, politics. Lots of people have way too much emotional investment in politics. I remember I heard someone say that politics are so pervasive to the point where politics is like the new religion. It's like a it's like the new drug supply. It's the new drug drug on the market. Just pretty fucked up, right? So you have all of these people spending years playing these games that don't really mean anything. And this is only a couple of examples. And if you're going to compete, if you're going to show up to life, you need to know this because your time matters. Because you can spend all this time playing all of these irrelevant games on all of these fields with all these metrics that don't matter. Why does it matter if you know this and that and this and that and this and that and you you uh you have all these followers and then you know you get all these likes and stuff like that but you don't even have two cents to rub together like you're broke right so that's the first one to keep in mind don't play the wrong games the second one i would say would be to optimize because once you do compete in the right way on an inner and outer level, chances are that you could be a lot better than you are right now. And this is what I call the optimization mindset. And I've talked about this. In fact, this was the, that was the first episode of this show that I did way back early last year. And this optimization mindset, I really started to solidify it when I started to get into my career. So... I work in marketing and one of the things I one of the things we do in marketing is what is called search engine marketing and it's pretty much the process to get sites ranked in Google search results on a paid and organic basis and in search engine marketing we take the optimization mindset like how can we get this site to perform better than it did last week or last month how can we increase our rankings how can we increase our profit that we're getting from certain searches and usually there's a lot you can do especially if you're not uh, in the top five so as for yourself what can you do well maybe you can get up earlier maybe you can start exercising maybe you can write a schedule maybe you can work longer and better hours all these things All this stuff. And this is all self-improvement. But I'd say this is a very systematized approach to self-improvement. Self-improvement is the what. Optimization is the how. And to optimize, you again go back to metrics. True metrics, not these BS metrics. Um, Metrics like, am I losing weight or am I gaining it? That's a true metric. Is my net worth increasing or is it decreasing? True metric. This is how you compete on an inner and outer level in a systematic way. And you start to make tangible progress instead of competing with all these, again, airy-fairy, irrelevant things. So there is a lot more that goes into the process of optimization, but I'll just end it here because this isn't meant to get extremely deep. So second one, optimize. The third and final one I would say would be to separate your quote-unquote self from your thoughts and emotions. So there's a lot of things that can hold us back. And usually those things are a combination of thoughts and emotions. And this combination is referred to as quote-unquote mental movies. Things that flicker on the screen of awareness and are replayed, usually by that inner saboteur, that inner addict. But remember, that inner self, that inner addict... That's not really you. That's just a projection. But like watching a movie, you only know what's going on in the movie when you give it your attention. And the screen exists separate from the movie, right? The movie is just a projection on the screen. Whether the movie is playing or not, the screen will still exist. And this is what the quote unquote pain body wants. It wants you to think that this is it is you. It want to, to give it its attention so it can survive and perpetuate its its existence. It's like a business. It fails because there's no cash flow to sustain the business. There's no attention. There's not enough attention going there. And attention is obviously your awareness. You bring stuff into your awareness when you give them your attention. So that's why thing saying goes, what do you focus on? You get more of. So that's the rationale behind that. I talk more about this in the episode on the Zen state of mind, so go ahead and check that out if you want more info on that one. So those are my thoughts on competing. Very brief overview. Just want to put this on your radar especially if you feel that you're going to go ahead and compete in the new job market that's coming up. Um so much more I want to say on this, but I think that's a good start. But if you want more content like this, mosey on over to www.unstoppablerise.com where I write about topics at the corner of self-development, psychology, and productivity with a masculine slant, on the attempt to help you live a more self-actualized existence. So until next time, keep competing. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in and listening in. I truly appreciate your support and your attention. It means a lot. If you like this content, go ahead and like the content. Go ahead and share the content with at least two other people you think would benefit. doesn't hurt to spread the good stuff around, right? And if you're listening in on iTunes, go ahead and rate the show with a honest rating. This will definitely help the show grow. And I truly appreciate your feedback. So until next time, stay good, take care of yourself, take care of other people, and peace.